0: we're reevaluating this whole process so kind of going back to myopic thing right as you're doing this all those smaller things tactically will start to actually you know unfold for you but you're kind of taking the big picture so you have one format going through your plant now so that means all those shared machinery all those shared resources now have the same format so less setup more interchangeable in terms of your machinery because you don't have to worry about machine downtime because it doesn't matter which which machine they all go on the same machine
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. When you start your business, you will do whatever you can in your power to survive. You might sign up any customers that might have any amount of money in their pockets. You might sell an offering that you might not have on your menu. Again, we as entrepreneurs have figured out how to survive. But the same entrepreneurial spirit fires back when you are trying to scale your business. Once you reach an inflection point, you will likely have the most complex product mix, manufacturing and inventory processes resulting from ad hoc survival or incomplete customer and vendor data driving unnecessary manual processes. At this point, you will have two choices. Either live with the processes that might not be relevant anymore for your business or start with a clean slate and draw every process out there and simplify As much as possible. In today's episode we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss the strategies for business simplification prior to implementation. We covered many grounds including why simplification matters and which business objects you should prioritize for simplification. Finally we discussed several stories related to chart of accounts Sub accounts, work centers, and inventory part numbers. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. Now, Dave, would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, happy to. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own a company called the Chrysler Club, where we work with business owners and entrepreneurs to help them create the systems they need to get them to shift from working in their business to working on their business. I spent more than 20 years in the manufacturing space, directly responsible for operations, including several ERP implementations, and I am excited to be here with everybody. Thanks for having
2: me, Sam. Okay, amazing. I'm super excited to have you, Dave. Obviously, you have gone this process a number of times. You have seen this from the operational perspective as well as from IT perspective. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Bob, can I move to your intro next? Absolutely.
0: Thanks, Sam. Glad to be here. Bob Feathers, I'm project manager of Technician. initiatives at Bindable. We're in the uh, SaaS platform for the insure tech space. But I come here with over 30 years of manufacturing experience, production control, operations, finance, client services, and ERP implementations doing project management for single, about four single sites, uh, a four-site financial piece, and then a seven-site, four-country global ERP implementation.
2: Yeah. And Bob, you have seen this from the financial perspective and obviously the financial perspective drives a lot of different things when it comes to simplification. Thank you so much for being here, Bob. Okay. Melissa, can I move to your intro next?
4: Sure. So I'm Melissa. I've got 27 years of procurement supply chain. And today I'm bringing experience from manufacturing oil and gas and automotive. And I will say that if your processes today don't tell you who is doing what and when, and it's consistent throughout, then stay here because this is the right place to be.
2: Okay, amazing, Melissa. I'm, I'm super excited to dig into your stories. You always have the most fascinating stories, and I'm pretty sure you are going to have done of them today. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, Chris, can I move to your
5: intro next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Glad to be here. I'm Chris Giardini, the CEO and owner of Turnkey Technologies. We've been implementing ERP and CRM solutions for 27 years, so I'm glad to be joining this conversation. Thank you
2: all. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Your stories are going to be super fascinating as well. I am super excited to hear them. Andy, can I move to you next for your intro? Uh,
6: My name is is Andy Pratico. I have been involved with uh, ERP software for manufacturers for four decades, and uh, I've worked all over North America. Uh, I live in Vancouver, B.C., uh, and I also uh, have a book that I published uh, on how to select the ERP software. Thanks, sir.
2: And that insight is going to be super meaningful, Andy. Thank you so much for being here for today's panel. All right, guys. So we are going to dig right into the topic, okay? So first, we are going to set the stage a bit and we are going to tell our listeners when you think about the business simplification, why it matters for the ERP selection as well as implementation. Both are going to be equally important, in my opinion. So I don't know. Dave, I'm actually going to start with you. I don't know if you're going to have any specific story where you felt that the business could have been simplified. And because of that, they ended up choosing, let's say, either the wrong ERP or implementing the wrong ERP. So do you want to set uh, the stage with a story or describing What simplification means?
3: Yeah, happy to. Thanks, Sam. Um, You know, when I think about simplification in terms of how it relates to ERP selection and implementation, what I've seen uh, in my experience is a lot of times what a a facility will try to do or a company will try to do is recreate some form of a legacy system that they already have versus taking a ERP implementation As an opportunity, kind of to the point of this conversation, I think as an opportunity to really look at the business model, the processes and how everything is tied together, how those different touch points come together for throughout the entire operation to be able to ultimately move the needle forward and build a system, implement a system that is really going to drive kind of continuous significant improvement through the system itself, right, through the feedback mechanisms that are built into an ERP system. So I would say from my standpoint, that's what I see is the businesses that I've worked with in the past, it is very much a, a an ongoing conversation about making sure that we are looking at in implementation, selection and implementation from a fresh perspective and making sure that we're not just trying to recreate what is already in place. And, and that in some cases could be a very low level uh, system it could be a very complex system that's been built over a series of years a series of iterations a series of revisions so that's been my experience and i think that's the first step uh, from my perspective in terms of being able to simplify to move yourself forward in the selection phase uh, and also the implementation phase
2: okay some amazing insights there and bob did you have a comment
0: yeah, I just want to expand because I totally agree with, you know, you touched upon the idea of legacy, right? And I think it's really important to, I, I always like to say, you know, don't build the ERP for you, who you are today. Build it for what you want to be in five years from now. Like you really have to think about where am I going? Because if you start concentrating a lot of what I'm doing today, I may not be doing it tomorrow. And so I have to really think about that as where is my business going to make sure I have the right system that's going to grow with me as I kind of go there. Um, so you kind of spend a lot too much time kind of miring around trying to solve the problems that are today's problems and that might not be what you need and considering that erp might take six to 12 months you may find yourself going live and already have things that are somewhat obsolete in your business so i totally agree with that you know kind of don't focus on the legacy really think about where you want to go that should help you in that process
3: no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna kind of continue with Bob's thought and, and really where my mind was at. You know, oftentimes when you are either in selection or you know, unfortunately in implementation, you'll find situations. Uh, let's say a particular you know lead person in a department. Let's let's take customer service. That's a that's always a good area that uh, that you have to work off of, and you know somebody will be looking for a, a specific piece of data that they're used to looking at let's say and oftentimes we can get sidetracked during the implementation phase to say, you know, well, I really need to look at this data. I really need to look. And, and then so you start asking the questions. So well, why do we need to look at this data? How often do we need to look at this data? How is the system, the new system, going to be able to deliver data? Can we utilize the system to impact that data in a particular way? Can we use the system to automate how that data is delivered? It's, it's all these little nuances and kind of to, to Bob's point, I think, and to take it one step further, You have to make sure that you understand what you've already done and why it's worked to this point, how you want to shape that moving forward and also be willing to recognize that just because the old system did it a particular way doesn't mean that the new system has to do it that exact same way and there in in my experience more times than not there are more advantages with the new system and the data delivery models that they have to be able to propel the decision making that was you know based on that legacy reporting uh, to propel that forward in a much faster way, in a much clear, more clear and concise way too. So.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for that insight. And I'm actually going to move uh, to you, Bob. So obviously, there are some really great points that Dave mentioned, and uh, some of the things that you should not be looking at just the old system and simply recreating what is there in the old system. Now, people sort of understand this, but I don't know if they can really, really relate with it how to basically streamline these processes how to look at things from the legacy perspective versus created to be state. so do you have any specific example where you saw a specific problem that was very legacy way but then that should have been optimized because maybe the business model grew maybe the way you actually did things in the past changed but the only reason why you were continuing with those practices is because that was the limitation of the old system and you have to go through the system. So you are constrained by the system and that's the only reason why you are following those processes. So do you have any specific examples of where you were really constrained by the old system and when you implemented the new system that was also going to be a constraint because you simply replicated whatever was there in the old one?
6: I mean,
0: quite simply, the one of the biggest areas typically in implementations is your shop resources the kind of the whole work order piece. And really kind of working through what your, what your product mix is, right? That's a big component of it. So what I kind of looked at is I always looked look at the funnel, right? You kind of look at the big picture and try to work your way down. I think the, the problem people do is they spend, they try to be too myopic. They say, oh, I'm going to go solve this problem. When you look at the ERP, you really need to kind of look at the big piece and then kind of bring yourself down. So I'll give you one specific example. We did something yeah. and it was as we were going through the ERP, we were kind of happening in parallel, which was not ideal. But we had two different formats. So we were in the, in the uh, plastic printing business. So we were, had a 72-up, you know, with offset printing, and then we were building up our digital printing pro- profile. Yeah. And that was kind of happening in parallels as we're doing this. So as we started to figure this out, and it kind of happened a little post was the offset printing was 72-up format, and the digital printing was 60-up format. That's what we were kind of moving towards. And a lot of people say, oh, well, 72-up format, right? You're going to get more throughput through all your machines. You're going to make a lot more money. This is great. And if you really kind of took a step back, said, hold on a second, let's actually take everything and make it 60F format, because then all of a sudden we're re reevaluating this whole process. So kind of going back to the myopic thing, right? As you're doing this, all those smaller things tactically will start to actually, you know, unfold for you. But you're kind of taking the big picture. So you have one format going through your plant now. So that means all those shared machinery, all those shared resources now have the same format. So less setup more interchangeable in terms of your machinery, because you don't have to worry about machine downtime, because it doesn't matter which which machine, they all go on the same machine. Obviously, your product in terms of your SKUs, right? I don't have to have it to a format over laminate and 60-up over laminate. So I've already reduced my SKUs already in my materials. So again, you start to kind of look at these things, and people kind of look at my app and say, "Oh, I'm going to fix this. But really, I'm fixing a lot of things all at once. So, you know, we learn from that. And from that, again, you have less engineering masters, less structures, because they're all, they can be shared. It doesn't matter which machine it's going in, but you can have a shared, you know, kind of a shared work order, so to speak, because it all is that same format. So there's a lot of gains there, but like I, like I say, you want to take a big picture. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go solve this machine. It's like, I'm going to solve this whole process stream for sheet production, and what does that look like, and what things can I gain
2: from that? That's a very interesting example, and I absolutely love that, to be honest, okay? And (laughs) I am going to ask you a question, since you provided an idea, and I don't know if this was really an idea or actual implementation, right? So now the question I'm going to have for you is, you actually worked in a very complex business, in my opinion. OK, it was like, you know, four, whatever, four or five sites, uh, four or five different companies. Now, that's a, that's a complex business. Communicating this idea across these sites, across all of those plant managers and implementing this process is a, a, a very, very, very hard task. So now I don't know whether you are going to have any sort of, you know, follow up comment there. Was this approach more of the top down or bottom up? How did you sort of implement and how did you agree as a team that no, 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 this change was was definitely beneficial for the entire organization yeah
0: there was kind of two pieces to it there's kind of that top level of trying to normalize our equipment across the across our plants the ones that were doing the same process
2: yeah
0: uh, but our typical style because you had a lot of people across the country you know, different countries was we typically would say we're going to implement a solution in one site we're going to we're going to you know pilot it we're going to work through it we're going to figure out all the issues we're going to you know, make sure it's it's rock star, right? We're going to yeah. do this thing right. And then we're just going to bring it to each other site that's doing it. We found that to be very successful because if you spent too much time, like all the sites talking together and trying to figure it out, you get a lot of wrangling going on. Sometimes it's like, sorry, guys, we're just going to go over here and fix this. And then we're going to just give it to you once we fix it. We found that to actually be a successful model and just kind of say, we're sharing best practices. And it's not to say we're the only ones doing it, right? There's other, piece, other plants that were giving us best practices. For different reasons uh, so again we try to do that data sharing but we found when you're doing these big global ones sometimes it's better to do small incremental pieces and then kind of roll it out as you as you find success
2: yeah and the reason why i love this uh, particular example is by the way i mean see obviously erp is actually going to bring you all the sort of you know productivity and technical advantages but here you are really improving your business processes because you are going to be able to share the best practices across the sites, if they are using the same equipment, obviously they are going to have a lot of learning. So a lot of executives, when they think of ERP implementation, they are always thinking, you know what, that's probably going to cost you $200,000, $100,000, $500,000, Two hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, and they only look at the ERP cost, but you are not looking at the process improvement that you are getting as part of your ERP implementation. Love that story. Thank you so much, Bob. Melissa, I'm actually going to move to you. Uh, you know, I'm super excited to hear any stories. inside the stage, what does simplifying mean to you, and what has been your experience when it comes to simplification of the business and the impact of that on the selection, as well as implementation.
4: So I'm, I'm a huge advocate for simplification of the process because otherwise you're going to be implementing and you're not going to get your return on investment. You're going to get halfway through it and realize something doesn't work. Just one challenge after another. Okay, I do have examples. So I ran across a client this year, this is 2021. And as we're working through their process simplification, I came across that they were still in their ERP system manually printing out their purchase orders and then putting them on there. Yeah, I know. See, Bob already knows where I'm going with this one. And um and I said, "You know, there's other you know, yeah, ER, the ERP, we can configure that so that it can automatically send it out." "Oh no, some of our folks have fax machines." That's okay. Your ERP can do that too. Yep. And um no, the feedback was, "Well, we've always been doing it this way and we're just really comfortable with this." And I and I Kind of stepped back and I said, "We," as in we, the entire company, or we, as in the people I'm talking to in this room. <laughs> so, so I um I I went away, you know, took a break, came back, and I said, uh, "Let me let me show you a different way to think about this." You have roughly 300 people that that do requisitions that I know for a fact that do requisitions on a daily basis. Let's just take a hundred of those people, and I've timed it; it's five minutes to actually Print all that out and email it. Not the facts, but just email it. So that gives us a you know a couple hundred minutes. This means that eight hours of your week, a full day, your employees are spending their time printing this out, putting in the email, and sending it. And something as simple as that really changed the conversation. But we went from oh we've always done it this way and we're comfortable with it to. Well, let me show you how much productivity you're losing because of something that simple. And that's just one little process. (laughs) Andy's like, oh.
0: Multiply (laughs) that.
4: Yeah. And and we're in 2021.
3: Uh, Melissa, you probably didn't catch it, but I just made a piece of content about this, uh, that exact (laughs) phrase. (laughs) That's the way we've always done it. And, you know, you nailed it perfectly, but it happens and you still run across these types of examples. It's that's a great example. But, yeah, I just had to jump in with that because it's one of my (laughs) favorites.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, guys. So now I'm actually going to move to, uh, you know, Chris, Chris, what has been your experience? I'm pretty sure, in case of, obviously, this is a very simple story. It's a great demonstration of how to basically think about simplification. But if, when it comes to the 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 process simplification, when you talk about any sort of, when it, when you talk about simplifying your payment terms, because that is actually going to impact a lot of different processes in your company, if you are going to accept every single payment term that is out there, then you are really agreeing with every vendor out there. And you don't have to because you are working with vendors. You can have five payment terms. The process is going to be so simplified. It's going to be so streamlined. And that is actually going to simplify a lot of processes inside your ERP system as well. So obviously, again, this is also a very simple example. I'm pretty sure you have far deeper Uh, examples that you might be able to offer. Come on, over to you.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, and I'm gonna separate selection from implementation because you guys got down in the weeds on process improvement. And at the point of implementation, we're gonna have a lot of different activities like looking at the terms codes list. But if we step back to selection where I think you started and we think about people defining the requirements and taking, as you guys said, the legacy system and that's my requirements, whoops. Okay, so recommendation. Yeah, you need a BA in the middle here that takes this and boils it down. And I think there's another component I'll mention to that because before you go out to market, because what will happen if you use this big list? The RFPs they'll be bloated, they'll be overpriced, they'll have to come in with lots of customization, and that's that drives a different question: is philosophically where's the company? What's your budget? Are you wanting to try the out of the box business process versus oh I got to architect everything? That's if you got the cash because I see people do stream of consciousness implementations, and everybody on this panel will say yeah they're expensive, they run on. There's no end in sight because, oh, we need that, oh, we need that, we need that, why? David nailed it, why, 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 why? So this refinement from macro, from legacy to, right, we've always done it like this. Have somebody, somebody's got to get in the middle, Visios, illustrations, learn about processes that are in the ERPs that you may be looking at. And then when you go to market, and again, we're in selection, right? We're not implementing. Then when we go to market, guys like me who are selling Microsoft say, okay, that's reasonable as opposed to, really? Why do you? And and again, but I'm bidding and I don't really have this chance to say, hey, your requirements are a mess. But that intermediate refinement, Sam's company would agree. That really is a valid step. And again, the impacts of not doing that cost unless you got tons of money. But nobody does. And we don't hit our objectives in time and we don't know when we're going to get those objectives. And we don't get the business process improvement, like Melissa said. So the ROI is delayed, delayed anyway.
0: Yeah, I I love that. I was going to share another piece that's kind of a little bit in that vein as you're kind of going through that piece. It's a different story, but it's and you kind of also want to talk about what you don't want to do, which I think sometimes is just as important as what you're going to do. So you know, I kind of go, that, "What am I going to be in five years?" Well, in five years, I may not want to do some of these businesses that I'm doing today. Yep. And I'll give you a specific example: is we did an analysis, right? So going back to what Chris said about it, you know having a business analysis, right? Let's go and kind of go in there and let's look at the business. So. One thing we did was we analyzed our our customers, and we found that you know customer one through one hundred was ninety five percent of our revenue. Customer one hundred one through five hundred was five percent. So twenty percent of my you know twenty percent of my customers represented ninety five percent of my revenue, and eighty percent of my customers rep- represented five percent. Now, go a step further. That's just revenue. Go a step further, and you kind of look at the cycle of what's going on with those orders, right? So now we looked at how many orders am I processing? I think Melissa also, touched on like the touch point, right? How much time I do it? So we looked at the orders, number of orders processed. And all of a sudden that graph, you know, which was 95% little 5% changed. And those 5% of revenue represented 25% of the orders processed in our facility. Hmm. 25%. So if you think at just at a very high level administratively, thinking about the cost it takes to process the order, send a work order to the floor, manage the work order on the you know manage that whole process whether it doesn't help you know these are obviously probably small orders and then you've got to ship it you've got to invoice it you've got all that stuff and so you could theoretically say well i can go out and get rid of 25 percent of my workforce or my administrative workforce alone just because i and all i'm going to miss is this little piece of revenue so what's the big deal but going back to the erp side right i've just eliminated 400 customers that i don't have to enter into my system And all the SKUs associated with those customers that I'm making that really don't bring any value to me. So you think about how much time it takes to implement less SKUs, less bombs, less engineering masters, less customers, you know, all the kind of things that go. So, again, all those little things that kind of add up as you start to look at that one decision. Uh, So I kind of like what Chris was saying. He's kind of building on a little differently, but kind of here's what I don't want to do when I do my system. I don't want to bring these guys along with me. I want to actually figure out how to get rid of them and figure out how to make my business stronger going forward. So just a different alternative idea.
2: So again, amazing example there, Bob. And uh, I am actually going to have a follow-up comment, Chris, related to the BAs. Now, when you are going to work with any of the business analysts, for example, if they belong to IT department. They traditionally have always been order takers. Yeah,
5: not internal. This is not an internal person. I almost think you need a change agent is what I'm referring to. Someone that's really going to challenge decision making and ownership and ask the questions like, why? Why? Well, sorry, here's how we do it today. Here's how most systems do that. They'll email a fax, they'll fax, or they'll email a PO, they'll fax a PO, right? Like Melissa said, just explain that. Okay, so that's a simple requirement. That would move on. Let's go back to where you're overcomplicating a process. That's my point. But I really think it's third party. I don't think internal people, IT, they're not, they don't know. They don't have the experience. They don't have the knowledge. They're not subject matter experts. Yeah.
2: so. So very interesting point there. So I don't know if this is going to be a change agent person because the change agent person don't really have the technical and functional depth that is required to challenge these decisions. So obviously you need a person like Bob to be able to challenge these things who is going to have equal depth on both sides okay so in the startup world in the technology world there is a role called product owner and product manager it has been changed okay they used to have bs as well in the traditional model but they had to change it and they had to bring smarter guys who have let's say mba degree as well as some sort of engineering degree so that they have the best of both worlds but that probably (laughs) needs to happen in case of erp as well because in case of erp implementation if you don't have a person who's going to be that proxy of the product manager who is going to be sort of the CEO of that e implementation
5: a PA is not going to be able to challenge no, that. No, I'm sure. But there's still business process owners on the customer side. But you've got somebody, and, and change agent is just a term that I'm using, but facilitator, whatever you want to call it. But it's a third-party organization that has subject matter expertise about ERP business process support in the current market and the current solutions that helps guide that company to that next iteration of refinement. And then they go out to bid. That's kind of where I was going with that. So
2: Agreed. Completely. Thank you so much, uh, Chris, for that. Okay, Andy, I'm actually going to move to you. So what is simplification in your experience? What would be your story that you might be able to share where you have seen ERP selection going really bad or ERP implementation going really bad because of these legacy access and procedures?
6: Well, I'm going to focus a little more on the selection portion. And, you know, it's interesting because if we think about what the human psyche believes in in and when we're evaluating something complex like an ERP, we assume that's going to require a complex evaluation. But in fact, that, com- that increasing the complexity of the investigation of the ERP harms the uh, selection process. It gets to be too confusing. I get these RFPs from consulting companies all the time, and they're... You know, I was looking at one yesterday, 5,000 questions. How many of those questions does a customer even recognize or even know what they do? The whole point about evaluating an ERP system or, or implementing an ERP system is it's a perfect opportunity to streamline your processes. Because if you don't streamline your processes in concert with implementing an ERP, You're just going to put pretty screens in front of your existing problems. They'll go a lot faster, but they ain't going to fix anything.
2: Okay. Amazing insights there. Thank you so much for that. And by the way, I mean, one of the questions that I would always ask the person who is writing these RFPs. I mean, they require the same subject matter expertise, meaning they should have the hands-on implementation experience. Maybe it's 20 years back or whatever, but they have to have some sort of implementation experience. In my experience, most of the people who are writing these RFPs never implemented a single line, never wrote a program uh, in their entire life.
6: (laughs) It depends. It depends. Some of them, the good ones all have good experience, practical experience implementing these systems. However, there certainly are a number of these consulting companies out there that are just taking boilerplate and mass producing it and selling it to hundreds of customers and think they're actually providing a service, which really it's a disservice as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, completely agree.
2: Okay, so we are actually going to look at specific areas where we are going to prioritize the simplification because obviously simplification could be a project in itself. Obviously, there is going to be a lot of discussion, argument. It's almost going to feel as if somebody is getting married in the family. OK, <laughs> so the the, the areas that, that are there in terms of the simplification, obviously, it's going to be product mix that has already been highlighted that you should definitely be looking at that. The other things that I have seen is payment terms, the chart of accounts, chart of accounts, in my opinion, uh, you know, I think Bob uh, always say this, the chart of accounts actually drive everything because that's your foundation. And if your foundation is not tight, obviously, you are going to see a lot of cracks on, on your roof. So chart of accounts is is, is a big deal. I don't know if you guys are going to have any sort of stories there. The other thing, uh, you know, in my opinion, vendor qualification process could be very, very, very thick at times. And if you are going to replicate all of what you have been doing for the last 25 years, maybe you don't need all of those reports that you have been utilizing and then, you know, you are simply going to replicate that in the new ERP system and obviously it's going to be very expensive. The supply quality assessment, bombs, always. Bombs, they are your... Sort of the backbone that actually drive the entire foundation for your manufacturing processes. Uh, they also drive the uh, the foundation for for your ERP. routing any uh, sort of inventory is a big deal. In I have seen a lot of problems if you don't have your inventory streamlined. And I'll give you specific examples here. So what we have seen is we know that if you are looking at the ideal ERP implementation, okay, some of the things are going to belong to probably WMS because they. Are designed for a very wms specific processes okay for example let's say if you have cases or the packaging specific information that you are going to have those are not necessarily your product but sometimes what companies do is they are going to dump everything inside the erp and we have seen a lot of problems because of that then you know your sales orders actually need to know your cases uh, they need to know your pallets. <laughs> can you believe this so now these fields are going to sit on your sales order so obviously your now your entire inventory is actually designed around that And then your SNOP process is going to have impact because of this as well. So I don't know if you guys have seen similar problems. So Dave, I'm actually going to come back to you. So in terms of the priority, what are going to be the business objects or the processes that are going to be most important? They are going to have the most ROI for your business. How would you prioritize this if you were actually asked, let's say, to simplify your business?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously touched on all the high level ones and, you know, from my standpoint, my experience, typically inventory is going to be, you know, kind of uh, first and foremost, there's a lot of money, a lot of cash tied up in that. And typically it's, you know, a significant from a, a percentage standpoint, typically a, a significant part of uh Of most businesses. The one area that, uh, Sam, I don't think you specifically mentioned, but but something that we would run into um, during implementation quite often is definition of work center as well, because typically um, what we would find in the implementation process is kind of back to what I said originally about the simplification part. ERP can deliver so much information back to you and so when you first start talking about implementation well what do you really need to see how are we going to track this what's your business look like it could be very easy to go you know a hundred percent down to you know individual pieces of equipment and what we like to do was talk about the production process talk about how things are obviously flowing together and start to define more appropriate work centers but that was always a a, a consideration and a a conversation because oftentimes um, you know, we'd want to go to that granular level without necessarily needing to be. So I I wanted to kind of, throw that in there as well, but from a uh, kind of what's most important, where would I start? It's it's typically gonna be inventory, making sure that that is accounted for, making sure that your uh, unit of measures, your conversions, all of that, um, I've seen really ugly things happen. I think one of the other panels that we had talked about specifically the conversions and, um, you know, coming out of, in the manufacturing space, I was in print manufacturing for, for many, many years, and oftentimes in certain facilities, we would, you know, purchase in pounds, consume in feet. Uh, and because it was paper, right, that we were consuming and there's variables with paper, the formula sometimes got a little tricky, those conversions. And, it, you know, it would mess up inventory, it would mess up cycle count. It, it, it was kind of a nightmare. So that to me is kind of uh, one of the critical areas and where I like to start to make sure that we've got all of that dialed in that we really understand how we are purchasing consuming counting all of those things and you know again that's an opportunity i feel like to simplify what maybe has been done in the past and not just recreate our legacy problems but to let's address that let's have a conversation about it let's figure out you know exactly what we should be doing how it's going to be best uh, utilized in the system you know to, to drive all the reporting and things that we want to, to keep track of.
2: Yeah, so love that addition, love that example. in fact work center actually is going to have a lot more data that is going to be tied to it. for example your resource groups, for example your resources and that is all going to have impact on the way your scheduling is done and I love your example about cycle counting as well because you know most of the time businesses are going to feel uh, you know problems hey my inventory accuracy is not right or maybe I'm not able to deliver goods on time, or maybe I have issues on my production floor, but your issues are going to be in your ERP system, the way you mapped out your work centers, because that is actually going to be part of your bomb. So obviously that needs to be streamlined as well. Thank you so much Dave for that. So Bob, I'm actually going to move to you in terms of your your priority, how you have done maybe in your implementation, what would be your recommendation in prioritizing, which are the business objects and processes that anybody should be looking at.
0: Well, definitely, definitely, uh, the inventory I think is a fantastic example of David's, definitely some real key components there. I would say build on that a little bit. So I'm gonna go two angles. You know, I'm gonna say chart of accounts, but I won't go there first. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But kind of to build on what Dave was saying, like there's this whole piece of the inventory, just like inventory controls and all those pieces is really important. But kind of, and then build on the work centers, Kind of going back to this again understanding what your business units are or what you know what are the products you make and really kind of i'm saying and try to distill it right a lot of people say like oh we make hundreds of products but the reality is they probably make like five or six you know what i mean like you really distill it down it's like you have these kind of five distinct paths of products that kind of have the same basic material sets and they're going through the same machinery right and start to understand those and understand those processes so along the way there you may find some things that you just haven't thought about because you're just so used to it. And I'll give one example is where you might have a particular process that takes three machines. And for a real simple, all of a sudden you go like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and do the latest and greatest. And that thing is going to do three things at once. And now I get rid of three machines. I simplified that process, which also probably means I've simplified those transactions and maybe even the inventory that I might've needed to take care of it in a different way. So again, like you're kind of, you're kind of macro, and then you're kind of going in and solving different issues. So you've kind of simplified your resources. You might have simplified some of your you know, business units. Again, you might go back and say, maybe we just shouldn't do that. Maybe that maybe that one business unit was that 5% of my revenue, right? Maybe it's the stuff that I just don't want to do anymore. And as all the complexities. If I just wipe that off the face of the earth, now I have 20 less resources in my plant, and whatever that looks like. So the other one I'll show you, you know, again, I'm going to go back to charter accounts briefly, just because i have to go there because again it's that kind of where do i want to go and i yeah. want to make sure i build that chart of accounts and have it set up but i kind of chris mentioned a little bit about the reporting right kind of really looking at what's going on there it's, it is important right what do, how do i want to measure my business what's really important to me what are the pieces of information that are critical to how i think about what i want to look at and really truly understanding that and i found a lot of times you'd have a lot of stuff in your chart of accounts that no one really cared about but you spend a lot of time reporting against it just so you had it, but no one cared. And I'll give you one simple example, like with Melissa, like here's a simple example is your cost for your labor. So everyone kind of talks, you know, what I pay the person, that's important. The overtime is important, but all the other things we call fringe, right? All those other accounts. So workman's comp, standard deductions, you know, medical, payroll taxes, etc. cetera, maybe a five or six fringe accounts. Now, most times in the cost of goods, someone just goes, What's what did I pay the people? What's the overtime and what's the fringe? I want one number. I don't need all these numbers. So again, simplification, right? We talked about report writing and being able to extract data from the system. There's lots of great tools out there. So I don't need to have it in my chart of accounts. I can certainly get the detailed data out of my system, whether it's user-defined fields or report writers. But at the chart of accounts level, if I remove, if I have say 15 departments and they all have those, all those write all those accounts, that's 75 accounts. And so if I just say, well, I don't need, I just need one account called Fringe, and I go from 75 to 15. I just account called Fringe, I stick it all in it. I can tell you from my finance, my old finance department, that's what they started doing. They actually stopped booking all the Fringe to all the different accounts. They just said, they just chose one and said, all the Fringe goes in there and that's what we're gonna look at. And that's what they looked at. So I said, oh, now we have all these things that just don't mean anything and no one uses. So again, but you think about it, this is again, more data entry too, right? It's just more places you gotta do transactions to put into these accounts more accounts to manage. So again, anything you do there, simplify that kind of your thought process, your reporting process,
2: and what you really truly
0: need out of your system is important.
2: Okay, love both of those uh, examples, by the way. And I am actually going to mention one more example in my personal experience, especially uh, for the people who have never used an ERP system. And if they don't understand the hierarchies that your ERP systems are going to have, and there is a reason for those hierarchies, because you are going to get far more analytics then uh, and and far less data entry is going to be required to get the kind of analytics that you are going to get from ERP system so the customers that are coming off of let's say quickbooks obviously they, don't, they are not going to have you know things like sub accounts um, you know your dimensions and what they are going to do is they are going to have very flat and chart of account structure i have seen crazy scenarios such as each of the chart of account is going to be dedicated to each of the vehicle that you are going to have in your company okay because they don't really have the fixed asset module they have to track the depreciation how are they going to track the depreciation so by the way they are not going to have just one account they are going to have two accounts, one for (laughs) the and by the way three maybe Okay, one for the actual value of the equipment. The second is going to be for the depreciation. And the third is going to be for the loan and maybe on the lease. I don't know, man. I'm just making things up. But, but I have seen these scenarios practically. And sometimes for finance people, it is very, very hard to understand how they are going to track and how they are going to get all of this reporting in case of an ERP system, just because they don't necessarily understand ERP concept. I don't know, Bob, uh, if you have seen uh, similar scenarios with respect to chart, chart of account, but I think that's very important as well.
0: Well, luckily in my last scenario, I was, I kind of de facto was in control of the chart of accounts. So I was able to keep all the CFOs at bay a little bit and say, all right, just tell me what you need. I'll understand it. But I understand how the system works because I had all the operational experience. So I came from both sides of the equation. Yeah. And I and I understood both. And I understood both sides. And I would say to both sides, they're both right, right? The operation's gonna say, I need it to look like this. This is how I want to do this, how I do it. And the finance guy's like, I need to see this. This is really important to me. Yeah. And it was my job in a way, and I think Chris talked about kind of the in-between person. I was luckily in between in between person. That's not always the case. But yeah, there are times where they want to have separate PL for your business unit. And sometimes you say, "Look, it's not worth that effort of all the things you're going to go to the work through." We have plenty of reporting tools, plenty of extraction tools to say, "What do we want to do?" And you can start to just do formula. like You know, you can put calculations and say, "What's my burden of absorption?" Or you know, just divide out. You know, you you can kind of make assumptions, right, based on your business. You can say, "This this revenue is X," so I'm going to apply a certain formula for whatever I feel to be the other expenses to that. Um, and don't get. Sometimes I say, "Don't like." who really needs it right sometimes i look like i need to have this piece of information i'm like for what 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 business changes are we going to make in our organization because of that piece of data are we going to change the management style what we do we're going to change the direction of the company because there's one piece of data yeah. and i will challenge them i'll challenge the operations people all the time and say who's asking for that what do they need it for what are you looking for why why are you going to this minute detail for something you know you're $16,000 of expenses and you're worried about $80,000 a year. I'm like, who cares? Just like expense, like just walk away. No one cares that I don't, I don't need that in my cost of goods. Just walk away from that. Why are you wasting your time? No one cares not to be you know blunt, but it's like, sometimes you have to be a little blunt in, yep. in those conversations. Right. And really challenge them and say, well, are we going to, ch- are you going to change how you manage the business? Or are you going to change vendors because of that expense? And if the answer is no, then you say, move on. 80, 20 rule, right. We don't care about that 20. It doesn't. It doesn't impact my implementation or it does, right? Because I'm going to spend a lot of extra time. You know, making changes in my system or customizing things for something that just doesn't provide any value at the end of the day.
2: Love it. Thank you so much, Bob. Uh, Melissa, I'm actually going to move to you. What would be your priorities? You know, what you have seen in, in your experience about these business objects and and processes? How you would approach if you were to simplify your business?
4: Well, everybody took skew simplification, so we can't. We got to knock that one off the list because that was that was a great one because that's such a large impact. You know, when you make that one, you know, it's it's a central point. But I think what What's really interesting is skew simplification comes down to data, you know, data, you know, harmonizing the data that's either in the ERP or in multiple ERP systems when you're bringing them together. So when I when I look at at trying to to simplify, I look at the data. Bob mentioned the data entry, you know, simplification of the processes. I worked with a, a retail Uh, CPG company, global retail company, they were trying to set themselves up and build a foundation so that they could start an acquisition strategy. They'd been around for a long time. But in order to do that, they had to simplify all their ERP processes. And the data harmonization and looking at all the the nuances and going back to the financial piece, Bob, they spent, they had two full-time people across 28 business units that did nothing but reclassifications, manual reclassifications, in their ERP system, two full-time people. And so when you when you look at that, and and these are all the low-hanging fruit. So anything that's got data entry, anything that has, you know, you've got a bunch of people for some reason doing one particular task, those are where you need to put your eyes on and step back and you're going to have some opportunity to, to simplify.
2: Could not agree more. I think one of the areas uh, that is going to be really important in looking at whether you are going to have any sort of simplification opportunities is going to be how much admin admin work your finance department is doing. To be honest, okay, you are actually going to have a lot of variances, and the only thing they do day in day out is reconcile those variances, and you are going to have five people, six people just to settle that out. And issue classification is an amazing example, Melissa.
4: Yeah, and you know how we solved it? We we took the accounting codes and put them on the the requisition.
2: <laughs> Genius. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be as simple as that. You're right. And that actually drives a lot of admin effort that people don't know. So, yeah, I mean, simplification is really important. And by the way, I mean, see, in what I have seen, Melissa, in my personal experience, is, if a lot of people, let's say, if they don't understand that, you know, the process could be changed, what they are going to do is, OK, here are my requirements. I am going to implement that in my ERP system. Okay. You are looking at just the requirement. Okay. You are looking at some sort of program that you are going to develop and you are going to custom add on. And that could be the result of a broken process. It could be the result of a missing data in your ERP system. Chris, I'm actually good. Oh,
4: Sam, you, you just said something that was really interesting. Well, you always say stuff that's really interesting, but in this particular case, I think what I heard was before we even do all the process simplification, if we're not working with a company that wants to make these changes, then we're not going to get anywhere, right? Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Chris, what has been your experience in terms of the priority? Mm -hmm. Let's say if you are running your manufacturing business, Chris, okay, how would you approach the simplification?
5: Yeah, I know you guys manufacturing and inventory, but it still comes back to chart of accounts and just to take it a little deeper, financial yeah. dimensions. And I bring that up because your story that I didn't tell is, you know, Legacy System has a two-segment chart of accounts, right? You think, hey, a main account in a one-dimension. Well, in actuality, in that second column, they had lots of stuff, apartments, yep. locations, warehouses, cost centers. And so I think that as we look at the impact of that on inventory, is it provokes that conversation. Again, we are we pre-selection or with the hedge of how we implement, but really to rationalize dimensions. And and again, most people don't talk that terminology maybe, but the new architecture support dimensions. And so to, to educate and, and align and say, okay, what are my dimensions? Is a cost center a dimension? Is that a department? Great, we've got that. That's gonna help impact how we do that. But I think even to Bob's point, we're not gonna create excessive reporting requirements, right? In the model where everything's, we have to pick them all out individually, Everything's an exception. Where if we use them for purposeful p- reasons, cost centers, locations, and I think it also provokes the conversation: is can I just really then get a P&L on an inventory location? Meaning, if I sell from that site, do they get revenue? Do they get cost? Can I do a little P&L? And again, I think it provokes conversations, but it, it still it impacts simplification because now I'm not writing all these exception reports. We we really and again we're assumptions. We still haven't picked a system, but we know they support dimensions: inventory dimensions, customer dimensions, vendor dimensions. Again, cost centers, work centers, people, they're all dimensions. So, and if we're integrating data, we're not worried about keying it in, Bob. So the devil's in the details, sorry. I'm not the guy that's gonna simplify it that much, but we wanna be smart about it. So there's no question we don't need excessive redundant, but I, I really still think that chart and the dimensions, can impact so much of, of of your system and just it's and that simplification has a huge cost impact. It really does. I think that's the way I'm looking at it. So
2: yeah, that's a great example. By the way, uh, Chris, thank you so much for that. And sometimes, I mean, see, I feel bad for the people who are really implementing the system. Sometimes the implementation is probably going to be done at offshore, and they are simply going to look at the requirements. That okay this is what you are supposed to implement you are not supposed to be challenging your cfo okay and the people who are going to be driving the requirement obviously they don't have any implementation experience they are simply noting the requirement down on a piece of paper and sending it to offshore and then you know what is going to happen they are simply going to do whatever they can in their power <laughs> to make it work okay and that obviously is is going to be significantly expensive in my experience and it's also going to be over engineered in terms of System. Thank you so much for that, Chris. Andy, what would be your advice or method for prioritizing, let's say, if you were to simplify your own manufacturing business?
6: Well, one of the areas where I find it's very, very interesting uh, that people spend a lot of effort prior to implementing an ERP is their inventory part number schema. Everyone seems to believe, not everyone, I don't mean to say it like that, a lot of companies seem to believe that that part number needs to be meaningful or intelligent and they spend days weeks months coming up with this schema that will tell them everything about what that part is just by looking at the part number what they failed to realize is that that that's that's a that's a hangover from the old days when systems were not relational and you had to know what the part number meant today you know any field in an erp system is searchable So if if you can't figure out what it is from the part number, you can by the description or some other field. It's all right there. So spending all this time making your part number intelligent, all that's doing is increasing errors because it's more difficult to enter the part number when you need to. It's best to use, again, every company is unique, but it's best to use a simplistic sequential part number five six seven digits long easy to type in easy to learn and the information is right there in front of you anyways
2: okay love that example by the way and this is probably going to be the most common problem and you are absolutely right there are going to be a lot of unnecessary governance processes i have seen companies designing macros okay just yeah. to uh, you know comply with your part number everybody is going to have their own name printed so that they can have the committed inventory in the system. Can you guys believe this? Okay, they are going to have customer name printed on the part number so that, uh, you know, they are able to allocate the inventory for the customer. Guys, that is a crazy idea, okay? If you are doing that in your ERP system, obviously ELP system, if it is designed for either for the sophisticated inventory processes or manufacturing processes, they are going to have all of these bells and whistles in terms of tracking your committed inventory, tracking the allocation, tracking the allocation across the sites, co-product, by-product, and you don't have to use your name uh, to be able to find where the inventory is. Great example. So now the only thing we can take at this point of time is going to be the closing advice for today. And that is going to be around simplification. So Dave, I'm actually going to come back to you about your closing advice for today for the executives.
3: Yeah, uh, thanks, Sam. So my closing advice really comes down to, you know, what I've been saying, uh, you know, throughout, which is just know where you're at today in terms of what you've been doing in your legacy systems, Um, know where you want to go and be open to change with that. So that way, when you are in 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 the identification and selection phase, as well as in the implementation phase, Uh, that you leave it open to the opportunity to simplify and utilize the system for what it's been designed to do, uh, and that you are not recreating what you already have because there's a reason that you're looking to improve and implement with a new ERP
2: system. Love it. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. Bob, what would be your closing advice for executives that might be going through either the selection process or the implementation process?
0: So I was going to I'm going to close because I think I've said enough about the other I believe to be true. Uh, I'm going to touch on one thing that Melissa said, kind of touched on twice as yeah. kind of a closing advice, is don't overlook your administrative, or your, I'm going to say your paperwork process, right? There's a whole component there of all your paperwork processes that you can really look to simplify. But what you're going to find there in those processes, you may find transactional errors of what's going on. You're doing a lot of work there. There's a lot of opportunities where you can kind of go back and say, what are these systems doing for me and how do I simplify that process? Cause there's a lot to gain from that. And people don't want to look there, right? Cause it's sexy to have inventory. It's sexy to have, part- all things we talked about are really good and they're sexy for a reason because they have real impact. But you know, at the end of the day, paperwork has an impact and admin has an impact. And there's a lot of transactional mistakes that go on there just because I'm kind of wasting a lot of time and doing bad paperwork. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there. So don't overlook paper. Don't overlook that whole administrative Piece of how you you know you run your business. It's an important piece to look at. I think people ignore it.
2: Yeah, could not agree more. And I am actually gonna go back to chart of account. And if you have a lot of admin spend on your chart of account, uh, you probably need simplification in your ERP processes. Thank you so much, Bob, for that. Melissa, what is your closing advice for executives?
4: Yeah, I'm gonna sum it up with be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Which means that when you put yourself in these simplification processes you're going to have to ask these questions. We've mentioned a lot of them today, and that's going to make everyone uncomfortable. So it's, it's really making sure that you've set the right tone, that it's okay to be uncomfortable so that you can move forward with these types of simplification processes.
2: Completely agree. Thank you so much, Melissa, mm-hmm. for that. Chris, what is
5: going to be your closing advice for today? Sure. Thanks, Sam. So as we were talking, make an effort to refine your requirements. And what I would say is if you've done that and you get an RFP and some of the responses are excessive cost or customizations, iterate, ask yourself, why is that so expensive? Why are we so different? And you don't have to end the RFP process there. Most guys would like you to end there, but iterate it and say, okay, we've taken another look. Give me a new price based on my simplification. So there is that opportunity. And again, when you get to implementation, don't be afraid to ask, well, show me the standard process. You know what? I thought it was more complicated. That's going to work for me after all. Love it. Absolutely love it. I think that's a great advice.
2: Yes, the customization is going to be the biggest driver overall. And if definitely need to review what is being customized, and that could be an opportunity to be able to iterate. Thank you so
6: much Chris, for that. Andy, what is going to be your closing advice, uh, advice for today? Well, going back to the evaluation of ERPs again, you know, and I mentioned that psychological assumption of people thinking that to evaluate something complex requires a complex evaluation that's absolutely not, not true. And what happens is, is like that 5,000 question RFP I talked about is that we get so focused on everything that in the white noise of every field in that RFP, we lose what's critical and unique to our company. Yep. I mean, you'll probably all sat through a quote unquote ERP sales demo before. How much do you learn by sitting through those? Not very much. So what you really want to focus on and what's critical, unique to your company. And if you only focus on that, whatever your competitive advantage is, if you only focus on that and make sure the system can do that, then you're going to be a lot more successful.
2: I completely agree on that. Chris, did you have a comment? Okay. Amazing, guys. Thank you so much for joining today. That's it for this session. Thanks,
5: everybody. Good seeing you guys. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. Take care, guys.
2: I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully, you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Gerardini, head over to turnkeycheck.com. It's t-u-r-n-k-e-y-t-e-c dot com. If you want to learn more about ND Pradigo, head over to essoft.com. It's essof dot if you want to learn more about Bob Feathers, follow him on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Melissa Drew, follow her on LinkedIn. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the Chrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R Y-S L E R dot C L U B. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes. Including the interview with Randy Johnston from K2 Enterprises, who discusses why process documentation is essential to manage growth. Also, the interview with Rich Said, who describes his journey and the pitfalls of implementing six ERP projects throughout his career. Also, don't forget to subscribe and to spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for
1: listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode.